Hello and welcome to Freelance Corner. I'm Ben and this is Orla. Today we're speaking to Lou Nylander, founder and director of marketing consultancy Wildflowers of London. In this episode, she'll be speaking to us about her journey into freelancing and sharing her highs and lows along the way in creating her business. Hi Lou, welcome to the show. Oh, hi guys. Thanks so much for having me. It's lovely to have you here. <laughs> I, I think the first thing our listeners will want to know is how did you get into freelancing and what's your journey been like so far? I was working um, and have worked in sort of the marketing media industry for the last like 15, 16 years. To be fair, I always kind of done sort of like side hustles and dabbled in things, but basically not to the extent that it would make me any money. <laughs> so obviously still had to stay with my day job. I really started during the pandemic thinking about like what was my purpose, like what was I doing, like what was I getting from my job role, what was I not getting, etc. And so that kind of laid the seed that I could potentially do something new and become a freelancer and, and go out on my own. But it was scary. And who wants to start a new job during the pandemic? Like not not very many people. I suppose the main catalyst for it and what drove me forward was the company that I was working for at the, at the time was a big ad tech company that was being sold. So I was managing the marketing during that process and I was looking and understanding how sort of like investment rounds work and how you've got to pitch yourself to business buying you and stuff like that. So that was really interesting to me on one side. Then on the other side, as a global marketing director, I was signing off a lot of um because we were getting sold um, and going through that process, we weren't allowed to bring on full-time employees. But what we were able to do was work with freelancers. I was like signing off, like I was, we needed help. So I was just getting all these freelancers and I was signing off all their budget. And I was like, oh, I get paid. I've got to be honest, between that sort of, oh, working with that on that process with sort of like startup acquisition-y, that type of thing. And then the whole signing off these invoices it all sort of came together and I just thought hmm so first of all I actually did was I had a few chats with some people like other freelancers and stuff I sort of said to them like how do you do it what do you do and like one of my really good friends and I actually now work with her we have a bit of a partnership I sometimes outsource work for her and she works for my sort of freelance business and I help her out and stuff like that she just said to me Lou you'd be mad not to do it She's never been so happy, much happier in her life. She's had freedom. So that's kind of where Wildflowers of London, the marketing consultancy was born. And yeah, in spring 2021, I took the leap. I registered a company. I, you know, I got an accountant. I did all these kind of things. I quit my job and then just said, no, look, I, I want to quit and I want to leave. Like, it's not a, you know, when it's like, you want to quit, but you you don't really want to quit because you want to pay, right? It wasn't like, <laughs> I was like, no. That I really am going. They tried to give me other things. I was like, no, 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 I'm going. Um, and yeah, and then, and then I started it and I've been doing it now for 18 months. So I did my first year of accounts. I remember going to my uh, accountant and I went, I'm a business woman now. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's kind of like the squiggly journey. It, was, it wasn't planned, but when I actually look back, I've always done a few side hustles and a few things which actually... When, when I really think about it, were kind of some of the stepping stones and allowed me to sort of make some mistakes when it wasn't really high stakes. But now I, you know, it was kind of a bit of a training ground, one could say. Was it quite apprehensive? Because I can imagine going from a side hustle to that being your full time, like what you're doing. 
must be such like a leap in the dark. Oh, definitely. I think it takes a lot of courage. I don't know how to say this without like putting people down, but I'm just going to say, basically, when you say you're going to go freelance to your friends and family, sometimes their own anxieties are reflected back at you like a mirror. Yeah. So it's just like, but how will you pay your bills? Is that clever to do during a, a pandemic? Oh, but 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 you know, you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? And it's like, whoa, Nelly. Like I've already got all of these fears and anxieties myself. And then I'm telling you, like, that I'm gonna do this, and then I'm kind of getting back from from you. And I think that can stop a lot of people who have great business ideas and stuff like that moving forward because if you don't have the support from your friends or your family or your support network whoever that might be it can feel incredibly lonely anxiety inducing and and just such a worry because ultimately you're at that stage now where we're all adults we have to pay our bills ourselves we can't go into people's i can't pay my rent i can't pay my mortgage it doesn't fly anymore once you get over a certain age you've got to you know be self-sustainable so I think that's a worry I was quite lucky though if I'm going to be honest that my sister it was very supportive of me she kept telling me I could do it even when I would go to her like racked with anxiety and fear she would be like no go on give it a go I think you could do this so that was really positive and then I also sought out and it's something I do in my actual personal professional life sort out mentors so people that have already done it and sort of said to them, do you think I'm mad? Do you think I can do it? And because they have that same sort of mindset, and also they've done it themselves, they were all were sort of literally like my cheerleaders and were like, yeah, Lou, go, you can do it. And that obviously made me feel more secure in my decisions. But yeah, it was scary. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. The power of a community, you know, it's so real. And it shows, you know, in your story. Um, It'd be great to kind of hear more about how you navigated the logistical side of freelancing. And what would you advise for somebody who, you know, is a freelancer? They've got loads of ideas and they want to freelance, but the logistical, practical side is kind of daunting and scary for them. It's really daunting, especially because you think you have to put on all these hats. So you've got to be an accountant, you've got to be a lawyer, you've got to know about insurance, like who knows about insurance? Nobody's born knowing about insurance. So I think uh, it it can be quite tough. Um, One of the things that I realised is that I don't need to know everything. It's it's actually fine. And leaning on the community, because I think actually the great thing about freelancers you think it's going to be lonely but other freelancers they get it and they understand and they will help and support you like I get work from other freelancers they're like I can't do this but I'll recommend Lou I do it to other people like oh I can't really do that work I'll take the briefing and they'll be like I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do this however I've got x y and z in my network and let me reach out to them because I think so I think we all help and support each other from a work perspective but also from an expertise perspective so also like when I was first putting contracts together I would message other people that were freelancers and be like so how does the contracting work do I do the contract with the client does the client contract me what are things that I should look out for or like who's your accountant so like and you know my accountant now I found a an accountant uh, via a friend. He was so good that I've recommended him to like anybody that asked me about freelancing or just some of my friends that already freelance if they were complaining about their accountant and stuff. And so many people have moved across to my accountant <laughs> because of it. So I think, yeah, it's just about asking questions. I think one of the things that I learned about being 
a freelancer or on your own, one could say, is that you're not actually on your own. And the more you reach out and don't be on your own and like focus on finding out where areas where you don't have the expertise, looking for that expertise, then that's how you actually, you know, grow and do better and learn and all that kind of stuff. So you get yourself out of your comfort zone and get out of your head and don't be too proud. It'll all be fine. I bet your uh, accountant loves you. You're just <laughs> getting you're in more and more work. He's, he's setting up a referral scheme and I'm like, what are you going to give me? You need to give me something because I've given you so many people. Was that the sort of the biggest challenge in transitioning from full-time work to freelancing? Because when you're in full-time work, you never think about the finances in the same way. That stuff's all done for you. For me, it was one of the most challenging things because I knew that, I mean, I'm a bit of a geek. So I read all these like Harvard's Business Review and all these like, business magazines and I know that cash flow is really important for small businesses especially for freelancers because as soon as you start having problems with your cash flow that's when everything starts tumbling down so because of that I'm I'm probably like hyper anxious around that sort of subject also uh, having been working in a corporate environment I know how slow people can be around paying how invoices seem to disappear and you have to keep asking for them four or five times and stuff like that. So that's probably something that I'm I'm hyper aware of and 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 make sure that I'm on top of it. One of the things that I thought, well, for me, worked out quite well when I first started off is that I did my own bookkeeping. So some people outsource their bookkeeping. It really depends how big your business is because if you're getting reams and reams of invoices and stuff like that and it's really not your skill set and maybe outsource it but I did it myself because actually I like to do it. it 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 actually educated me a lot on what was coming in what was coming out timings and all that kind of stuff and for me knowledge is power so then I started to feel less anxious around it all because I'd be like okay that's fine because that gets paid then but this is going to get paid here so this is going to happen and rah, rah. and even if they don't pay exactly on time as long as they're not more than two weeks late you'll be able to pay them and then that started to make me feel in- more secure and it also helped me like discuss different things with Jamie about like oh you know I might want to do this or what's the most tax efficient way to do that or I'm not doing this anymore but at one point I was thinking about employing somebody because I work with some people on a freelance basis and I was just trying to work out whether it made more sense for me to employ them or whether to still keep going on a freelance and just sort of employ them as a, a contractor etc through doing the bookkeeping and understanding and all that kind of stuff it, it gave me more knowledge to speak to the accountant about and then work out what the best option for myself is so even though it's tough, what I would say is as a freelancer, when you're starting a new business, you just got to lean into it. Try and understand as much as it as possible, because the more you understand, the more you're able to communicate. But also find yourself an accountant that one you like and two that like talks to you in a, in a nice way. Sometimes you have to dumb things down. I, I do it with my clients. I, if I know that they don't understand something, I don't just keep saying it to them the same way. I, I, oh, let's think of an analogy. But yeah, I think it's all about educating yourself, but also bringing in expertise when you're so, like if you're totally out of your depth and it just numbers are not your thing and you're being late with your tax return or getting fined, like just pay the money and get something to do. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I love that. When it comes to the sort of wildflowers of London, would you mind like describing the business? 
Yeah, so Wildflowers of London is is actually it's dual pronged. So um, I set up a women's group six or seven. That's probably seven ooh, uh, years ago now because I'd moved to Southeast London and I was looking for like a just a group of people that lived locally to hang out with. And effectively, there wasn't anything like that I thought was great. So I set up my own one um, and started putting on events and brunches and lunches and all that kind of thing with different themes and different speakers for women in Southeast London. And then that's now evolved and it's like a women's professional network, similar sort of thing. We do events and uh, help and empower women in London, but you can come if you're from out of London. So that was always like a side hustle and something I always kind of did. It made me do more events sort of based work, events logistics, like uh, speaker outreach, speaker management, all that kind of stuff, which actually also helped and supported me in my existing career. When I decided to go freelance, I already had Wildflowers of London branding or what have you. So I was just like, oh, why don't I just call the marketing consultancy Wildflowers of London? The marketing consultancy is effectively working with startups and scale-ups often that are seed, pre-seed and at series A size of investment. I primarily work with a lot of companies that are in the technology space, normally advertising technology because that's my background. But more and more, I'm trying to diversify and move out into some sort of different spaces just because it's more interesting for me. And also it helps me with the passions that I like and enjoy. So I'm working with some social enterprise and CICs. Most of the businesses that I work with are founded by either women or people of colour, because that's also a passion for me, or they are businesses that are either revolutionising or trying to do something that is sustainable or good for the environment. So there is an element of, because I am freelance, I can kind of choose who I work with and who I'm not. And I definitely feel that I'm much better placed to, you know, really push a brand and really excel on sort of marketing and, and promotion of a brand when I care about what they do. So I've really tried to work with clients where I feel that there's a, a synergy between our, our values. You know, you talk about authentic marketing. I'm just quite interested in what you think the impact of authentic marketing is and why does it matter? It's a, it's a difficult question to sort of answer because it means so many things, different things to so many different people. I struggle to sometimes put into words what I mean about the clients I work with when I was like, oh, I want to do things authentically. I want to work with people that are ethical, et cetera, et cetera. Because people were like, well, everybody should be authentic or everybody should be ethical. Because it's, it's, it's table stakes, really. You'd assume so. But then actually you start working with people and then you realise that they're not. So I suppose my meaning from it and the way I view it is that they actually say they have values our values are aligned and the way that they practice their business the way that they market their brand and the way that they treat their staff and their people are all aligned with my values and they are doing what they say they're doing do you see what you mean so not that you're creating a product that's great but actually the people that work for you are crying all day <laughs> they, can't pay their, they can't pay their energy bills or they can't pay their rent but the product and the wider industry or wider community think you're great but actually do you see what it means yeah. i don't want to work with companies like that so if you're bringing out a message about how authentic your product is or how sustainable your supply chain is it's like i want to see 
the evidence. Is that true? Because I'm a marketer, so I don't want to be responsible for spinning stuff to help you make more money. If intrinsically you're, you know, without being rude, but this is quite rude, like a bad person in a bad business. I just don't want to do that. And I think I want to work with brands that actually, and people that want to make this world a, a better place. Is it hard to know that before? Like you, like a brand may be like really marketed well and it might seem like really ethical, but until you actually get under the bonnet, I assume you don't know. Yeah, and that's really tough. And it, it's difficult to sort of find out. What I do with most clients or people that I'm work, I work with is that obviously I try and do my due diligence. I like have chemistry meetings with them, blah, blah, blah. But I also often sign, and sometimes this could work to my detriment, but I often only sign a three-month initial contract even if they wanted to go on a retainer or they wanted to go I'm like look let's just do three months in the beginning when we start working and that works for both of us three months for me because I need to work with you for three months enough to know your business understand what you want to do but it's three months for you as well because you might not like my methods you know we might not necessarily vibe circumstances might change etc so it kind of works for both of us and I kind of use that time to sort of think oh okay is this for me and is this going to work with my existing clients my existing workflow etc etc and then that's the case then obviously after that three month sort of for want of a better word probation period ends then we can move on to whatever contract terms that we both decide personally as a freelancer I think freelancers don't do that enough they get excited see a client see things and sign up for stuff and then you know it it could be for multiple different reasons but it's not working for them and then they feel sort of a bit uncomfortable about saying oh it's not working for me I'd probably feel a bit uncomfortable as well so that's why it's quite in the beginning stages I've already sort of set that out that it's an initial three-month contract let's see where we are and I make sure that I have check-ins with them once a month when I'm getting to the end of that three months period, I make sure I put some time in with that client to be like, so how are we doing? Like, do we want to carry on? Did you do that from the start though? Because a lot of freelancers are quite worried when they start off going, am I going to find a client? Am I going to be able to earn enough, as you said earlier, for the bills? Were you like from your first ever client, you were like three months, if it doesn't work out, I'm leaving. No, of course not. <laughs> of course not. In the beginning, it was so strange. I didn't actually really fully know what I was doing. I just reached out to the network, my network of people. And I suppose that's why I love the women's network, Wildflowers that I work with and I set up myself. But I also am part of lots of other sort of groups of women in communication, um, a group for black women in uh, communications marketing etc and it's so like I wasn't too proud when I started freelancing so I would just I just literally when I knew I was definitely doing it and made the website and I literally I'd, I'd, I was all in I just went on whatsapp and and sent some emails out sent some LinkedIn messages it was during the pandemic so I was just like can we have a virtual coffee I'm doing this thing want to pick your brains got the website out sent out some whatsapp messages sounds so silly but you send enough of those messages and something's got to stick so that's how I kind of got the business but obviously the first couple of clients I've kind of learned from them what to do and what not to do so I signed a contract with a guy once and I didn't do my due diligence I didn't put in a 
a sort of a break clause. I did sort of just go along with it. And, you know, it was a business that was based abroad uh, in North America. I started to realise that the time difference, it being my main client, kind of didn't really work for me because they wouldn't wake up until like four o'clock. And then I would kind of feel like I would have to work on their hours to get any answers because otherwise we're always a day behind. And then I was just like, mm, I don't think this is a good vibe or a good fit for me. But I, until I did it, and that's it, you make loads of mistakes. You just make loads of mistakes. And sometimes, you know, things go in your favor and sometimes they don't. One of the things that you have to have when you're a freelancer is just being really resilient and just being bouncing back and be like, okay, I tried it, didn't work. What I'm going to learn from that <laughs> and what am I going to be able to do next time that's not going to lead me down this like rabbit hole. Well, what you can't do is just get into a rabbit hole of despair. You're kind of on your own, so you've got to just keep going and you can't sit there and be like, because it's just it's not, it's not going to work. No, you just got to keep it moving and also be in touch with your community, I suppose, and just lift each other up. Exactly. Going back to, you know, your, the community that you built with Wildflowers, what impact do you think Wildflowers has had on the community in South East London and women in self-employment overall? What I really enjoyed about Wildflowers, so we don't really host events in South East London per se, because kind of moved further into Kent. So it would be inauthentic for me to um, carry on um, doing a, a saying that we've built a community in South East London. So that's why it's kind of become generally like a, a London thing. So the events are, are normally in town. But one of the things that I think has been really important about uh, Wildflowers and one of the reasons why I actually created it was that obviously I put on the event, I found the speakers, I, I do all of that kind of stuff. But I always said that if two people leave the room and they meet up outside of a Wildflowers event and they form a relationship, that's essentially all I want. And and if, if they never come back to Wildflowers, that would be fine because it served its purpose. It's connected two people that would have probably not have met each other or wouldn't have had that conversation. So not that people that have come to the event that have had some sort of like, depending on what we're talking about, um, they've either met other friends or supporters. I know some people that have, you know, set up a little, it's a side hustle, but they they do it together. Uh, one of the girls, Laura, who's in the group, she actually only joined the group this year, but she's made so, so much of an impact. I didn't know this, but she writes poetry and she's been writing poetry and helping one of the other Wildflowers uh, ladies with an event that she was doing with her poetry. So it's kind of like, it's quite organic though as well. And that's what I like about it. Nobody likes forced fun. So it's whether these people have a connection and they get on. So it's difficult for me to say the impact in a way that I suppose is is tangible. But I know it's there because I can tell because they keep coming back and they bring new people and they're connecting and doing stuff and it's creating something. The community always asks me like, oh, when is the next one? Or like, what are we going to be doing? Or like, oh, Lou, we, we, you know, we'd really like to do a meetup and stuff. And then that makes me know that it is needed because they want to keep coming back. So then that gives me the validation that, that, that I need. I yeah, that sounds great. I mean, just hearing about it makes me want to join one of the sessions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What have been your biggest highs and lows since being self-employed? The 
biggest highs of being self-employed? Well, for me, it was, I um, recently was shortlisted for an award. I think it's called British Business Excellence and it's like sponsored by Lloyds Bank and it was the new entrepreneur of the year award. And I did this whole application and I sent it off and all that kind of thing. And I just thought, oh, we're never going to hear anything about it. And then I got this note and it said, congratulations. And I was like, oh gosh, but I didn't even open it because I thought it was like, oh, congratulations on this. But I thought it was like a thanks, but no thanks type email. It was, I didn't open it for two days because I was busy doing something else. And I I genuinely thought it was going to give me like 10% off something. Anyway, I finally opened it and I was just like, oh, and then I realized I'd been shortlisted. So that was a, a real high. And then I got really excited and called my sister and was like, ah. <laughs> when that all happened, I was like, oh my gosh, and I must be doing quite good because there were other people that entered and they didn't get shortlisted. So it couldn't be that bad. So that gave me um, a bit of validation in that. I don't know if there's like massive lows. I think something that I suppose it's just being mindful of is that you're alone a lot. You have to make your own decisions. So I think it's more that it's not necessarily like it's the lowest low. It's more just that there are periods that can be quite lonely because you've got to figure stuff out on your own. Um, and there can be periods which are quite boring. <laughs> um, you know, you've got to do invoicing. You've got to get your accounts in on time. You've got to do like I was on holiday recently. And then I needed to do something for a VAT return. So then I was like, oh, gosh, get me computer out. And stop pottering <laughs> something or other over to the accountant and just making sure it was. And you know what I mean? I mean, it literally, it took about maybe half an hour to figure it out. But it was still like, so it's just like that. I suppose it's understanding that when you work for yourself, when you're freelance, when you're self-employed, you kind of are always working because it's your business and somebody asks you a question, you can't just be like, I'm out of office design and I'm not going to get back to you for two weeks. You know what I mean? It's going to affect you. So sometimes it's just easier to respond. So therefore then because of that, you never really can switch off. But uh, there's nothing tragic that's happened. Um, so I wouldn't say it's like a either or. I, I think it's just something that is always going to be there is that you you you've got to keep on working sometimes yeah and i suppose the positives you know outweigh those negatives so much oh for me yeah i sometimes say to one of my friends that was one of the catalysts or I just, she probably doesn't realize how much she sort of um supported me and empowered me to make the decision to go freelance but sometimes I say to her why didn't I do it before <laughs> I just can't believe I didn't do this before for me it gives me a level of autonomy autonomy about the work I do and also autonomy about the work I produce it also gives me a, a, a way to live my life the way I want to live it so I sort of alluded to the fact earlier that I've been away like I spent pretty much all of August either in Croatia or traveling around Spain. Yes, I've done work sometimes and I've, there's been days where I've been, you know, on a balcony with my little computer out doing some emails, but there's a level of freedom in the way that I want to live my life that I just don't think I would have if I was a full-time employee. It just I it just wouldn't be possible. Just live your best life freelancing basically. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. And finally, if you had to pick three things that you found useful or inspiring in your own freelancing career, what would they be and why? Okay, so some of these are going to be like 
practical things, like actual things. And then some of them are going to be just like stuff that you should do. So I kind of alluded to it earlier, but I think everybody should understand where their own competencies are and understand what they're not good at and then find people that are better than them at the things that they're not good at so that their business is like just like functioning and stuff like that like you shouldn't be missing your tax return you shouldn't be missing things that are just like basic just get them done and if you can't figure it out or seem to be able to get them done on time find somebody that will that you can afford to do it so that goes back to the accountants the legal stuff like that for me find a community like there are so many different clubs online there's like if you work in marketing or communications there's like freelancer groups that you can join on Facebook or LinkedIn or like what well, some are paid for most are free or a very minimal cost. I'm a member of one called the Copy Club and it's like £20 a month and they have like events and you can go to that. I think that's great. Freelancer groups are definitely on Facebook and on LinkedIn that you can sign up for and like communicate with different people that are in the same space as you. And I would say, yeah, lean into the freelancer community. There's lots of people out there. There's also so many free resources online that if you're confused about something that you can go and read about, you know, how to set up the company or how to move your company from being a limited company to a CIC or whatever it might be. There's so many resources out there and organizations that will sign up. So my sort of feeling is like lean into it more than you don't have to do everything yourself. And then the third one isn't necessarily like a piece of advice or something to remember. I suppose it's just, for me, it's really important when you're, if you decide to go freelance or work for yourself or set up your own company or what have you, is just understand what the purpose is, like understand what you're looking to get out of the experience or where you're looking to take the company. That sounds quite strange because I did at the beginning say I didn't know what I wanted when I started the company. I didn't know exactly what the end goal was. So that's definitely true. Since then, I've done a lot of sort of thinking around it. And once I did the first year of accounts and that sort of did quite well, I sat down and thought, okay, so what what does year two look like? What does year three in five years, what would I like the business to be like? In 10 years, potentially, what would I like the business to be like? And obviously the 10 and five are, are a bit more vague, but the one, two and three, I managed to sort of plan that out. And then that's really helped me moving forward to have a bit of more of a purpose and an understanding of where I want to go, like what type of clients do I want to bring in? Because actually if I ultimately in two, three years want to be here, then these are the type of clients I need to be bringing in. I need to probably be employing somebody in the next year or so and and start having, you know, FTEs to help me grow that growth. So I think another area to sort of think about is really your purpose like what is it that you're looking to achieve and and for some people it might just be like you just want a lifestyle business you just want money to cover your bills and you want to travel or what have you or you want to grow a big agency or a, a bigger business and employ people and and do different things and and that's fine I think but if you're not honest with yourself in the beginning it's really difficult for you to know and plan and then in my opinion that's when things get overwhelming and there's no plan and no sort of direction, it can be quite problematic. So it's just something to think about. I love that. I think it's a good note to end on. Know what you want to do 
and uh yeah i hope everyone takes that to heart who's listening so yeah thanks so much lee oh thank been great you. speaking thanks to so, you thanks for having me thanks so much been great chatting to you i'm feeling so empowered right now <laughs> oh yeah <yay>. well done <laughs> that's it for this week's episode you'll be able to find information on freelancing in the show notes below and on the freelance corner website do you have a question about freelancing that you want us to put to an expert drop us an email at content at freelancecorner.co.uk we'd love to hear your queries if you enjoyed the show make sure you follow us so you don't miss out on our next episode you can find us on all major platforms and just let us know what we should quiz an expert on next time